Hello, and welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. I'm trying something new with this episode. Rather than having a guest on with whom I'll discuss a topic, I'm going to instead share some analysis of that topic on my own. And in this case, the topic in question is the antitrust complaint that was filed by the Department of Justice against Google on Tuesday, October 20th. I am not a lawyer, so I'm not going to try to assess the quality or validity of the legal arguments made in the claim, but I want to try to unpack the underlying mechanics of the accusations being made against Google from a commercial perspective. The 64-page complaint was filed by the U.S. Department of Justice alongside 11 states, and it contends that Google exerts monopoly power in the general search services, search advertising, and general search text advertising markets through anti-competitive and exclusionary practices violating Section 2 of the Sherman Act. I discussed the collective antitrust legislation of the Sherman Act, the Clayton Act, and the Federal Trade Commission Act in an article I published back in June on MDM called Three Arguments Against Apple Antitrust Accusations. The Sherman Act was signed into law in 1890, and Section 2 makes it illegal to, quote, monopolize or attempt to monopolize or combine or conspire with any other person or persons to monopolize any part of the trade or commerce among the several states or with foreign nations, end quote. Comparisons are being made by the media between this complaint by the DOJ against Google and the case it prosecuted against Microsoft in the 90s, both of which were actions under the Sherman Act. But the Microsoft case was broader, whereas the Google case is much narrower, and it's directed at unlawful conduct related to maintaining a monopoly with its search business through anti-competitive distribution. The DOJ's complaint contends that Google has established a monopoly in the markets for general search services, search advertising, and general search text advertising. Here, the complaint defines general search engines as, quote, one-stop shops consumers can use to search the internet for answers to a wide range of queries, end quote. The complaint identifies only three general search engines that crawl the internet, those being Google, Bing, and DuckDuckGo. These general search engines crawl the internet, index and document information, and then use algorithms to surface relevant results to consumers on the basis of their queries on an SERP, or SERP, which is an acronym that stands for Search Engine Results Page, which is the page that displays search results after a query has been submitted. Search advertising is the business of selling ad impressions on SERPs related to the query that generated those search results. Google sells text advertising, which are links placed at the top of search results that mostly look like normal results, but are denoted as ads. And Google also sells what the complaint calls specialized search advertising, which is inventory that sits above the search results and links to some product related to the query. The example used in the complaint is that of shopping ads showcasing various models of shoes for sale at different retailers after a user had searched for the term brown shoes. In the complaint, the search service and various advertising mechanics attached to search are identified as the components of Google's business in which it has attained monopoly power. It's interesting to note which components of Google's business are not included in the complaint, notably its display search business across mobile and web. The scope of the complaint is exclusively related to search. The complaint relies on two critical arguments, which I'll unpack in more detail. The first is that Google has built its monopoly position through a flywheel of distribution and revenue share agreements that give it an unfair competitive advantage. And the second is that Google has attained a level of scale, and that word is used very deliberately in the complaint, that prevents challengers from being able to meaningfully compete with it. The complaint's flywheel argument posits that Google has created an anti-competitive, self-reinforcing feedback loop that exists between A its agreements with third parties to be the default search engine on their platforms, software, and devices, 
and B, its advertising business. The basic premise of this argument is that Google has established an unassailable position as the leading provider of search through default search engine usage agreements struck with the likes of Firefox, Apple, and various mobile phone manufacturers. Here, it's important to distinguish between mobile and desktop and between the various interfaces through which a search can be conducted. There are a number of places from which a search query can be submitted to a search engine, such as the search engine's homepage on either a desktop or mobile browser, the URL bar in either a desktop or mobile browser if that search engine is set as the default for that browser, the search engine's mobile app, the quick search box on Android, voice-activated virtual assistants such as Siri or Google Assistant, the minus one page on some mobile devices, and a handful of other more obscure search points on mobile devices. The complaint argues that Google has struck default search engine status agreements for many of these search points to a degree that is exclusionary. Some of these agreements are fairly well known and have been publicly dissected, such as Google's agreement with Apple that Google be the default search engine for Apple Safari browser. According to Goldman Sachs analyst Rod Hall, Google paid Apple $9 billion in 2018 and $12 billion in 2019 for that privilege. This is a pure play and fairly straightforward revenue share agreement. Apple agrees to make Google the default search engine on Safari and, in exchange, Google gives Apple some share of the revenue generated from searches that were queried from Safari. In this case, Apple owns the operating system, which is either iOS or macOS, and it owns the browser. What's really interesting from the complaint is the structure that similar revenue share agreements take with manufacturers that ship Android devices. Android is an open source operating system, and anyone can fork Android and create any flavor of it that they like. But Google has created a three-tier system of agreements that it uses to entice device manufacturers to not only use a Google-approved version of Android, but to also pre-install various Google apps on their Android devices. I call this the pyramid of control. At the base of the pyramid of control is what's known as an anti-forking agreement. There are two types of anti-forking agreements, and they both prevent manufacturers from creating Android forks, distributing devices with Android forks, or marketing forks on behalf of third parties. Once a manufacturer has signed an anti-forking agreement, it can sign a pre-installation agreement, which allows them to pre-install some bundle of proprietary Google apps onto their devices and gives them access to various Google APIs. This is done in exchange for making some of those Google apps undeletable and for giving the Google apps specific real estate on the home screen of the device. And finally, for manufacturers that have signed both anti-forking and pre-installation agreements, a revenue-sharing agreement is available at the top of the pyramid of control that gives the manufacturer a share of revenue generated from Google searches conducted on the device in exchange for Google being made the default search engine for various search points on the device. According to the complaint, Google's revenue-sharing and pre-installation agreements account for more than 30% of mobile device usage in the United States. The flywheel here is obvious. As Google cuts more pre-installation and revenue share agreement deals, more people use Google Search, and thus its Google Search advertising revenue increases, giving it more money to use to cut revenue share deals. A related complementary argument in the complaint is that these default status agreements deprive rivals of scale, which then becomes a significant competitive advantage for Google in attracting advertisers and users. This is the second critical argument in the complaint. Scale is defined in the complaint broadly as Google's ability to improve search relevance based on the amount of data it has aggregated from user queries, which makes it more attractive as a product to consumers 
and thus more attractive as an advertising platform to advertisers. This is a fairly well understood concept in consumer technology, where digital products are improved over time as a result of usage. Sometimes it is called the data or algorithm moat. More usage, more data, better trained algorithms, better results, more usage. The complaint contends that Google's exclusionary behavior with distribution prevents other companies from achieving scale because, quote, for both mobile and computer search access points, being preset as the default is the most effective way for general search engines to reach users, develop scale, and become or remain competitive, end quote. And this reinforcement cycle also affects Google's ability to sign these default distribution deals in the first place because they're costly for Google for the same reason that they are lucrative. They deliver a share of revenue. If no other competitor has a scale, that is, advertiser reach and aggregated data to use in optimizing for relevant results, then no other competitor can offer browser owners or device manufacturers the same level of money in exchange for exclusivity. Quote, in other words, because of the long-time deprivation of scale, no other search engine can offer Apple or any other partner the mix of quality, brand recognition, and economics that market-dominant Google can. End quote. One argument the complaint makes repeatedly is that default search engine status for various search points serves as a significant hurdle to competition because users simply rarely change the default search engine on a browser or mobile operating system. Quote, for general search engine, by far the most effective means of distribution is to be the preset default general search engine for mobile and computer search access points. Even where users can change the default, they rarely do. This leaves the preset default general search engine with de facto exclusivity. As Google itself has recognized, this is particularly true on mobile devices where defaults are especially sticky." End quote. The value of default status is somewhat axiomatic. Google couldn't pay for something that didn't provide proportional value, given that those payouts are based on revenue share. The complaint makes a comparison to the DOJ's case against Microsoft at one point, focusing on the anti-competitive tactics that Microsoft utilized to secure default distribution and that were deemed unlawful under Section 2 of the Sherman Act. Predictably, Google disputed the DOJ's claims, calling the complaint deeply flawed in a rebuttal blog post. Google's counter-argument is centrally focused around an assertion of simply being the best search engine, that users can quickly and easily change the default search engine at various search points, but choose not to because Google provides better results than its competitors. Google cites Firefox's decision to switch from Yahoo to Google as its default search engine as support for this notion. Quote, Take Mozilla's Firefox browser as an example. It's funded almost entirely by revenue from search promotional agreements. When Yahoo paid to be the default search engine in Firefox, most Americans promptly switched their search engine to their first choice, Google. End quote. An interesting point of support for this argument comes from Alex Stamos, Facebook's former head of security, on Twitter. He said, quote, as a technologist, something that is really lacking from the complaint is a recognition that Google search is dominant because building a competitor is spectacularly difficult, end quote. And, quote, general purpose search might be the closest thing we have to a natural monopoly in online consumer services, and competition policy should focus on protecting other lines of business from the natural monopoly and not pretending that anybody can build a competitor, end quote. Perhaps less important than the fact that Google signs agreements to be the default provider of search is the fact that it is able to remain the default provider of search on so many users' devices, because it is the best at delivering relevant search. A New York Times article titled Justice Department Plans to File Antitrust Charges Against Google in Coming Weeks, published on September 3rd, 
asserts that Attorney General Barr overruled career lawyers who wanted to spend more time building a strong case against Google, asking them to finish the complaint by the end of September. According to the article, some lawyers refused to sign the complaint, while others left the case. This may be the reason that the complaint against Google is fairly narrowly scoped. Back in May, a former economist with the DOJ's antitrust unit, Fiona Scott Morton, published a paper titled Roadmap for a Digital Advertising Monopolization Case Against Google, in which she outlined a very broad potential antitrust case against Google. The proposed case encompassed its entire advertising business and described harm to advertisers, publishers, foreclosed rivals, and consumers, mostly relating to Google's market share of the various functional mechanisms within the advertising value chain on both the supply and demand sides. This proposal was very wide-ranging, citing Google's market power by controlling the vast majority of supply for search, by being able to engage in rent-seeking behavior that results in a supra-competitive take rate, by maintaining very high market share across the core product markets in the ad tech stack, by controlling the analytics applied to consumer data, and by exercising opacity around pricing. It's interesting to contrast that paper with the narrow scope of the complaint filed by the DOJ. Perhaps the DOJ felt that litigating a more comprehensive case against Google, as per the New York Times' reporting, would have required much more preparation time.